Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Man was made in uprightness. Ecclesiastes seven twenty nine tells us, Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Man was to bear God's image, both in outward resemblance and in character. Christ alone is the express image of the Father, but man was formed in the likeness of God. His nature was in harmony with the will of God. His mind was capable of comprehending divine things. His affections were pure. His appetites and passions were under the control of reason. He was holy and happy in bearing the image of God and in perfect obedience to his will. As man came forth from the hand of his creator, he was of lofty stature and perfect symmetry. His countenance bore the ruddy tint of health and glowed with the light of life and joy. Adam's height was much greater than that of men who now inhabit the earth. Eve was somewhat less in stature, yet her form was noble and full of beauty. The sinless pair wore no artificial garments. They were clothed with a covering of light and glory such as the angels wear. So long as they lived in obedience to God, this robe of light continued to enshroud them. God himself gave Adam a companion. Eve was created from a rib taken from the side of Adam, signifying she was not to control him as the head, nor to be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an equal to be loved and protected by him. So long as they remained loyal to the divine law, their capacity to know, to enjoy, and to love would continually increase. They would be constantly gaining new treasures of knowledge discovering fresh springs of happiness and obtaining clearer and yet clearer conceptions of the immeasurable, unfailing love of God. We read that Jesus was made in the express image of God, and I know that we understand the meanings of these words, but I thought I would look express up in the uh, 1828 No Webster's Dictionary. The, the uh, definition was quite long, so I'm just going to read the pertinent parts that I thought was pertinent. So express, plain, clear, direct, not ambiguous, not left to inference, an exact representation sent for a particular purpose. We read that we are to bear God's image and outward resemblance and character, but Christ alone is the express image of God. His likeness is plain, clear, direct, not left to inference, not ambiguous, an exact representation. And his father sent him for a particular purpose of sharing us to us in person what he is like. Why was that important for us to know what God was like? I was thinking about it and uh, think back to when Lucifer was in heaven. He became rebellious 
and at enmity with God while in his presence and whilst knowing who God is and what he is like. We cannot comprehend how many eons had gone by that Lucifer was in the presence of God. <clears throat> there was nothing more that God could do to reveal his love to Lucifer that would draw from Lucifer loyalty or love to God or repentance. There is no cure for true rebellion. But we did not have that privilege, and God sent his Son to show us what and who he is, to give us a chance to see infinite love in action. This will either draw a responding cord of love from you voluntarily or elicit a rebellious, resistant reaction. This will determine our state. He can work with someone who realizes their need of help if they're willing to let him, but nothing can be done for the truly rebellious person. Trouble, grief, or sorrow can drive us to go to God for help so that he can help us. But he can also be the reason that we choose to harden our hearts against him. We ultimately choose. God paid an infinite sacrifice simply to give us a chance to choose then to have us react in rebellion must really hurt his heart. We read that God clothed Adam and Eve in light and glory as long as they were obedient. But as soon as they began taking things into their own hands and creating chaos, God removed his covering of light. Light could never cover enmity and rebellion and unbelief. Babies are not born with a robe of light. We're born with a fallen nature, a natural inclination to self-rule and self-serving. And we read that Adam was of a lofty stature. I've read somewhere that he was over 12 feet tall. And I know that we have found different skeletons of people on the earth who are extremely tall. But here's an experiment that you can try. I did it on myself, um, if you're interested. Take a tape measure measure around your head and get the figure and write it down. What percentage of your height is that number? As an example, my head is 21 inches around at the widest place. My height in my zenith was 62 inches, so uh, 21 inches around my head divided by 62 is about 34%, 33.8, I'm going to say 34%, I'd say about a third. So. 21 inches around my head times 3 should equal closely my height. So it's close enough for our experiment. Take Adam's height of 12 feet, divide it by 3. His head was about 4 feet around. One third of 12 feet is 4 feet. It's hard to imagine a 12 foot person with a head that's 4 feet around. I did not figure this circumference. I didn't figure the, uh, the diameter. You could do that if you're interested. But for us, the first five feet average 100 pounds, and for a man, an additional seven pounds is added for every inch. And for a woman, an additional five pounds is added for every inch after five feet. So using our standards, Adam would um, weigh 688 pounds. But this is only for a visual, and I don't think that formula is perfect for his body because I think his bones were much heavier than ours. And I think that's why women only add an additional five pounds for every inch and men do seven pounds. 
because of the bone structure. So for Adam, he could easily have been closer to half a ton. That's just so amazing to me that God had such plans to create us in such beauty and symmetry. And we would maybe be rebellious when all he had for us was good. His plan was not only to be physically beautiful and symmetrical, but to also be constantly gaining in knowledge and happiness, clearer conceptions of the unfailing love of God. That's the only way to have perfect happiness to all life. It's only possible in love. Rebellion cannot be allowed to mar the happiness of others. Think about parents raising a child and they've done everything for that child's happiness. They've put aside money for college. They've planned out how he could be dressed and how his room could be warm and sunny and airy and have a yard to play in. And, and uh, maybe he comes in from school and mother says, Honey, why don't you sit down and let me rub your feet? And have him say, You're always telling me what to do. I am not doing it. And not only that, but to be corrected and then be angry about it. You know, that's kind of what man has done. God has had love for us, such love. And his, his rule has been so light. And just the minimum important things. So I'm not going to go on about that. But I found a promise in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. If you're willing and obedient... You shall eat the good of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. There's a, a hymn in my book titled Love Divine, and maybe I'll read, I'll sing two verses. Love divine, all love's excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion. Pure unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. In the last verse, finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation, Perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Our Father in heaven, O oh Lord, we want to have that love in our heart. Lord, we surrender the rebellion and resistance that comes naturally in us. We give it to you and ask you to take it. Cast it in the depths of the sea. And for those who are here with me this morning, Lord, I pray a special blessing on them that they would find such joy in obedience to you because of how tender and loving you are to us, how you care for each one of us. You want us to come to you, Lord. No matter how we're feeling, no matter what we're thinking, you want us to come to you for help. Please help these who are listening with me this morning to find that help in you. 
and that victory over self, the self that would mess us up in the end. Thank you, Lord, that you have an answer and a plan and a hope for a future for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join me tomorrow morning for a few minutes as we read and pray, read promises, and sing together and have prayer. Have a wonderful day, my brothers and sisters.